doing? Feels like the six now, doesn't it? Feels like everybody's woken up. Well, hey, we're so glad that you're with us in church tonight. You know, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Courtney, and um, that is not a joke. That is my actual name. Well, it is a joke, but it's kind of a different kind of joke. You know, the one that makes you a little bit sad inside. Well, you could take that up with my parents afterwards. But my name is Courtney, and I've been on um, team and staff here for coming up to eight or nine years now, and it's my absolute honor and privilege that I get to bring the fourth and final part of our awesome series, Welcome Home. And right up front, I just want you to know this one thing about this church. If this is your first time in church, maybe you've been here once or twice, or maybe you've been here for a while now and you've not really caught on, but I just want you to know that this church is a church that welcome home, welcomes home prodigals. Now, you might not know what that means, but what that means is whoever you are, wherever you're from, you are welcome in this place. This church is about everyone. We are about you, so welcome home. Hey, um, once upon a time in 2013, I used to have a friend, and um, we're not friends anymore because he decided that he would put his wedding on the 21st of December right next to Christmas in a little place called Scotland, which if you've been to any geography class, you'll know is nowhere near Liverpool. And so we're not really friends anymore. And at the time, mine and Beth's car was a piece of junk. And so we had to rent a car to, uh, to get up to this wedding. Cheers, Josh. And um, it cost us a ton of money, and I would like it back. Um, <laughs> I'm not messing. I'll send you the bill. Um, so we rented this car. We went to the dealership. We got a fancy car. We'd never had a fancy car before. We still don't, four years on. And uh, we got this fancy car. And then they tried to upsell me the sat-nav. But I'm no sucker, because I'm from Birkenhead. And they were like, Mr. Hobbs, do you want a sat-nav for six grand a day? I was like, no, you're all right, thanks. So I did what every good guy from Birkenhead does. I stole one from my father-in-law. We went round to Big Dave's house, and we picked up Big Dave's sat-nav, and we got in the car, and we were ready to go. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just kidding. We were hyped to go to this wedding. We were pumped. We got in the car. We got all of our snacks, you know, all the Harry bows that make your gums bleed. We were good to go. We were set. We were ready to set off. We had our playlist on, and there's only one tune for a road trip that you will ever need in your life, and it's this song. It's Vanessa Carlton. It's that song from White Chicks. Making my way downtown. Faces passing them. It's the only song you will ever need on a road trip. Fact. Say what you want. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this. So we set off, we got on the road, and about two hours in, I realized that everything still kind of looked Merseyside ish, and we'd not seen one single motorway. And so I said to Beth, I said, I think were lost. So we pulled over after some light debate slash heavy arguments. We pulled over and we looked at the sat-nav and we found out that Big Daddy Dave likes to take the scenic route. And so he turned off the uh, avoid motorways option. Why is that even an option on a sat-nav anyway? And so we drove around for two hours and we were still in scam. No joke. We were so lost. And I don't know what's worse, being lost or finding yourself in scam. I, I'm not really sure. No, I do, it's, it's being in scam. If you're from scam, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> when I was a kid, I remember another time, um, my brother, my older brother, he had passed his driving test, and I was jealous, because that's the type of person I am. 
jealous to the core. I was, I was hating on him hard because he was hyped. He was, he was buzzing. You know the type of buzzing that you only get once in your life when you first ever pass your test? Especially when you're 17 and you spend all your time in the drive-thru. You buy those cars and lower them and they're really loud and stuff like that. Well, he was that kind of guy. And he would, he would regularly put this in my face. And this one day, he made it known to me that he'd planned to go on this trip to Alton Towers with his friends. And I wasn't invited. And I was cursing him out. Yeah, oh, me. I'm not even over it. Ten years on. And, uh, <laughs> and so he and his friends set off. For this, um, for this trip, for this amazing time at Alton Towers. And I just remember being absolutely devastated that he wouldn't take his younger, nerdier brother with him. I wasn't so jealous later on that day, though, because my mum received a phone call to inform her that my brother not only had not got to Alton Towers, but he'd gone the absolute opposite direction and ended up in Blackpool Pleasure Beach and had to stay over the night. <laughs> now, I'm not sure what's worse, being lost or being found in Blackpool. Because let's face it, they're the same thing, aren't they? <laughs> but the truth is, we all know what it's like to be lost, right? We all go through times and seasons where we find ourselves lost. And the, and the honest truth is, it's absolutely frustrating as anything, isn't it? I tell you what's even worse than being lost. And guys, you'll feel me on this. What's worse than being lost is having to ask for directions, that is the most emasculating thing that you can do. Did you know that on average, a guy will travel an extra 900 miles across the course of his life because he will refuse to ask for directions? That is a true statistic. I wish that I was making that up. I don't ask for directions because I know me. And if someone pulled over and asked me for directions, I'm not really a good dude. And I would give them the round trees response. I'd be like, yeah, you just go left at the gummy bear and, and over the other little squiggly worm thing. I just give anyone whatever I felt like saying at the time so me personally that's why I don't ask for directions but the truth is being lost is an absolute nightmare isn't it it's really really frustrating especially when you find yourself in an undesirable place especially when you got lost and you've got a sat nav that doesn't do the main thing that it's supposed to do it's just a drama when you get lost ever got lost in a conversation now that is a tricky one like, no, yeah, sure, I'd love to hear more about your kid's sports day. Nope. <laughs> the trick to getting lost in a conversation is you've got to play the imitation game. You see, you've got to smile when they smile and nod when they nod. But don't zone out for too long because you might end up agreeing to something that you do not want to go to or be at at all. Getting lost is a tricky thing, isn't it? And the, the, the truth is we all know what this is like. Jokes aside, we all know and feel the weight of being lost at some point in our lives. Today, we lose our identities in social media, don't we? we? We look at what's going on over there and we forget who we are. We lose our freedom in payday loans because the struggle and the, and the, and the bills of life are so real. We bring our past hurts and baggage into new relationships. And so we lose our identity and self-worth in soul ties to the wrong people. We, we get lost in material things now, don't we? More than ever. We get, we get way lost in material things. We, we go through our life trying to get the money to buy things that we can't really afford to impress people that we don't really like. And at the end of it all, we can just find ourselves with nothing in return other than this void, this pit of emptiness and frustration and discontentment and, and dissatisfaction in our guts. We all know what it's like to get lost, don't we? We often follow the wrong things sometimes in life and we go down 
the wrong paths. And so we find ourselves in the wrong place with all the wrong people doing all the wrong kind of things. I think that this thing of being lost is something that we can all relate to, right? And I'm not really talking geographically as well. Like you can be lost physically for sure, but it's just as easy, isn't it, to get yourself lost emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually at times. It's just as easy, perhaps easier, in fact, to get lost in those ways than it is to get geographically lost now. Now that you know that the sat-nav has an avoid motorways button, it's much easier to get lost maybe emotionally, spiritually, or mentally. You can get lost in your, in your finances, can't you? You can get lost in your overdraft. Like you didn't mean to keep spending, but the bills keep coming and the kids need new school stuff. And so now you're spending and spending and, and everything's just kind of gotten out of control. And now you're lost and drowning in a sea of debt and bills. And you're not sure if you can ever make it out. You're not sure if you can ever find your way. You could get lost in your career. Like you've worked so hard to get to this point, And now that you're there, it's just kind of like, mm, I'm not really sure that this is what I wanted, and you find yourself lost with misdirection or misguidance. You can feel lost in your relationship. You can bring those past hurts that we spoke about into a new relationship and find yourself just lost. Like, I really thought that this other person would satisfy me. I really thought that this other person would be the answer to all of my problems. But now that we're in it, I actually feel a little bit lost. You can be lost as a parent for sure. Like, you really try hard to be a good parent, to be a good mom and be a good dad, but balancing a career and everything that goes with that is just so difficult and takes so much time all of the time. And now so much time has passed that you're not even sure if you could ever connect with this kid that you so desperately want to connect with. We all know what it feels like to be lost, don't we? And to make it worse, if we're really honest with ourselves, as a result of us being lost, we can easily find ourselves disconnected from our purpose in life due to results of our position in life. I wonder if you've ever had that, if you've ever woke up one day and thought, man, how did I even get here? Like I thought when I got here, everything else would be so much better, you know, if you've ever had that feeling. Like when I got here, I thought that the grass would be so much greener. And now that I'm here, it's not really working out and it still really hasn't fulfilled me. And I just feel like I'm lost. This is something that we all go through, I think, for sure. Maybe you're going through it right now because the truth is you can, you can sometimes do all the right things. You could be going through this in church. You can do all the right things. You can say all the right sayings. You could be in all the right places and still for some reason have this void and this horrible feeling of just feeling like you're lost. You can be lost in a crowd and you can be lost in a church, especially a church like this. You can just keep turning up ritualistically, just going through the motions because that's what you've always done, but never really connecting with a real God that is desperate for a relationship with you. You can get lost in the ritualistic nature of it all and that is not what it's about and it's definitely not what God wants for your life. When you get lost, it's, um, it's really annoying, isn't it? It's really frustrating when you end up in a place that you never set out to be, whether that is physically or, or, or mentally or emotionally or spiritually. But either way, when you get lost, it is so frustrating. But what I think is even worse in some ways is when you lose something, that can be a real nightmare, can't it? That can be the worst. Like you knew that you had it a moment ago and you put it down and boom, instant stress fest. Like you just had it on you and it's always the one that you love the most that gives you the best type of wisdom in this situation that goes in the form of this. Like, well, 
Where did you have it last? I don't know. <laughs> well, can you remember where you saw it or where you was when you had it last? Yeah, that's why I've walked around for 25 minutes saying, have you seen my keys? We all know what it's like to be lost and lose things, and it's so frustrating, isn't it? In the Bible, Jesus uses parables to illustrate to, to, illustrate to people the point that he was trying to make. He would use objects and items in their everyday lives that, they, that would help them relate to what he was talking about in the story so he could connect with them in a way that they would understand and know what it was that he wanted them to know the most out of this story. And a parable is fascinating to me because it's a short kind of story that never really happened but is 100% true. And in one of these moments in the New Testament, Jesus is sharing this parable of this woman who loses a coin. And he's trying to explain to these people that this woman is so frantic because of the thing that she's lost. And I really think that this story can teach us, uh, teach us and, and talk to us about how God sees us when we're lost. And more importantly, how he reacts to us when we're being lost. So if you've got a Bible today, in just the short time that we've got together, I would love you to turn to Luke 15 verse 8. And we're going to read a parable, just a short story, just three verses called the parable of the lost coin. If you haven't got a Bible, don't worry, it's going to come up behind me. But this is what it says, Luke 15 verse 8. And this is what it says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, suppose, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search for it carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in all of her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice, which simply means celebrate. So celebrate with me because I have found my lost coin. Verse 10, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, I don't know about you. In fact, I think I do know about you. Because every person on the planet is this way. When you find a pound, you get hyped. Fact. Like, I don't care how rich you are. If you find a free pound, you get hyped. I'm 29 years old. If I have 20 pound in my pocket, it doesn't matter. If I find a pound behind the sofa or, or in the car or in Beth's bag, I am hyped. I'm telling you. She's got all the money. I know where it is. It's the bank. I am hyped when I find a pound and everybody is the same. It doesn't matter how old you get. It doesn't matter where you're from or how much money you have on you or have access to. When you find a pound, you are hyped. When we were kids, we used to glue pound coins to the pavement and we, and we would just watch people get excited as they try and pick them up and they would give up so easily. But when they first found them, it was like Christmas morning and then they were devastated and they'd walk on because we were cruel kids. But it was great to watch. Everybody gets excited when you find a pound. So here's this woman and Jesus is telling this story and he's explaining to the crowd that this woman is frantic. She is distraught. And they would have understood this because theologians tell us that the coins that they're talking about that she's lost would have been one of two things. First of all, it might have been part of her dowry, which was an amount paid at the marriage of a daughter. Or more importantly, in my opinion, it would have equated to 10 days wages of, of her life if her, if her husband has passed away. So this woman has literally lost part of her nest egg. She's lost part of her savings. Part of her safety net has disappeared. And so she's frantic. She's distraught. She's freaking out big time. And there's massive understanding as to why. What's interesting about this parable is that historians tell us that these people in this story that Jesus was talking to would have been peasants. 
And so their community would have evolved around trade and not necessarily cash. So they wouldn't really have had things of value like money or items of value that they could trade. They would have traded things like woodwork for, for bakery and, and pottery for, for roofing and all this kind of stuff. It would have all evolved around trade. And so they would have been shocked to hear that this woman, first of all, had these coins and then secondly, lost one. They would have felt the weight of this situation. And that's what Jesus is trying to convey in this, in this parable. She was distressed. She was frantic. Because when you lose something of value, it can be a real stress fest. It can be a real nightmare, can't it? When something you love goes missing, it can cause huge drama in your life. And I think that we can all relate to this. I've, I've been known to lose my phone whilst on my phone. <laughs> Anybody else done that? Like you're on your phone and then you start searching for your phone. Everyone's laughing because it's true. <laughs> you start looking around for your phone while you're talking to someone like, hang on, I just need to find my phone. <laughs> it's so much easier to lose things now and not care, isn't it? I haven't seen my wallet for three weeks because of Apple Pay. Like you could just pay for things with a fingerprint, which is crazy dangerous. You should see me in the Matterland like Marty McFly. I'm like, boom, the future is now. Scan it twice, son. You can lose your wallet and not even care. <laughs> but the woman in this story is frantic. It's her only source of revenue if her husband was to die. It was her only thing that she'd brought with her from her past if she was married and this was a dowry. She is distressed. She is freaking out. And Jesus is illustrating a sense of urgency and despair that this woman is going through because of the very nature of the thing that she's lost. But this is what's interesting. Did you notice the very first thing that she did? I love how the Bible can be so intricate and give you so much perspective. It's, an, it's a timeless piece of scripture. It's a timeless piece of literature that can be so helpful to our lives if you look closely enough. And in three verses, it blows open our whole perspective on life, in my opinion, because if you notice what she first did, it can change the course of your life. The first thing she did was she turned on the light. See, when you get yourself lost, you need to get vision. That's what you need to get when you get yourself lost. She turned on the light. She knew that in order to get a better picture, to get a better view, to get all of the facts, she had to turn on the light and get some better vision. When you're lost, you need to get vision. It's hard to see when you're lost, isn't it? It's hard to, hard to see things for how they are. Have you ever been driving and you can't find someone's house and you're looking at street names and, and house numbers and you're driving down the road and you slow down and you turn the radio down so you can see the house numbers better? <laughs> Sometimes we do the wrong things to try and get the right vision, but the point still stands that when you're lost, you need to get vision. When you're lost, you need vision. Vision. I love how the Bible is this intricate tapestry and how, how things can be written hundreds of years apart, but they all weave together to make this amazing, amazing story and this amazing truth. In Psalm 119, way before Jesus ever came to the earth, King David wrote these words. He said, your word is a lamp unto my feet. God's word actually has the power and the ability to guide you and to illuminate your path, to show you the next step, to show you the way forward. But you have to open the book and turn on the light. You have to get vision for your life. You need to get in the word and shed some light on what God says about you. And you need to illuminate your own path and start to find your own way forward by what he says and not what your friends say. 
couple of months ago, uh, we decided that we were going to get healthy, which, which is a thing that married couples do. You, they embark on stupid endeavors together and stick it through. And so we decided that we were going to get healthy. And it was a terrible decision because Pepper Army is my spirit animal. And so we started to get healthy, and that was it. We were eating healthy. We were being dead good. And about three weeks in, Beth came home from the shop, and she was unpacking the shopping from Aldi. Great brands, good prices. That's what I'm about. And she's unpacking the shopping, and as she's unpacking it, she gets out this orange bag of what I can only describe as nastiness and puts it on our counter. And I said, what is this bag of nastiness that you've brought into our beautiful home? <laughs> she said, it's corn. I'm going to make a chicken stir fry. I said, first of all, that's not chicken. You can't say something is chicken when it's not chicken. She said, I, so I said to her, I said, did you get any fresh chicken? Did you get an actual chicken? No, but I'm just going to put this fake chicken in the real stir fry. I said, listen. If we're going to make a chicken stir fry, we need to have chicken in the stir fry. She said, Courtney, you're a wally. You've been eating corn for three weeks. She'd been feeding me corn for three weeks and had not even noticed. Here's the point. You've got to learn to feed yourself. Feed your soul on the word of God for yourself. See, we're force-fed nowadays, aren't we? We're force-fed how to think and how to feel. But you've got to learn the art of feeding yourself. Get yourself into a life group. Get your own experience Bible. Open the book for yourself and shed some light into your own soul on what God says about the vision for you your life. Don't be force-fed it from your friends or from the media or from social media. Get your own vision and own revelation by getting into your own Bible. Don't be force-fed. Feed yourself. Make sure that you're feeding your mind and soul with the Word of God and His vision for your life. When the woman turns on the light in this story, it might seem insignificant. But again, if you look closely, what's interesting is that it shows us that even though she'd lost something, she had the faith to find it again. She didn't just give up. She decided, she made a choice that she was going to turn on the light and start looking. And that's the same with us today. It's when you don't feel like coming to church. That's when you should come to church more. It's when you don't feel like you want to serve. That's when you should serve more. It's like when you don't want to turn up and pray because everybody around you seems to have it all going on and you can't understand why it's not going your way. That's when you should turn up and pray more because if you push into God more, you'll get the vision for your life. That's when you should press into God more because you only ever grow in faith by choice and never by chance. Your faith is not going to grow on accident. It's only going to grow when you water it. And unfortunately, sometimes some trials are going to help you do that. Get vision for your life. Turn the light on yourself. Choose to turn the light on and get vision for your life. We have to choose to be a people that opens the Bible and pushes into God when we feel lost. When she turned the light on, Jesus is telling us, look, sometimes I know that it's going to get tough. Sometimes I know that this life can feel dark and you're going to feel like you're lost. You're going to feel like your identity is missing. But if you turn on the light and have faith in the midst of fear, if you press into Jesus again, then he can give you purpose. And if you grasp your purpose in him, then you'll get the vision for your life as well. It goes hand in hand. This woman, she needed to expose the area to the right amount of light to find the thing that she had lost. In photography, the longer you expose an image to light, 
the brighter it becomes and the more you can see. And it's the same for us with our walk with God. When you're lost, you need to get vision. You need vision way more than you need a map because vision and seeing are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. You've got to get a vision for your life. You've got to get your own vision, not what society says, not what your best friend says, not what your single friends think about your relationship. Get your own vision for your life. Proverbs 29 says this, without vision, people perish. What does that mean? Well, it means that if you drive with your eyes closed, you're going to crash and it's going to hurt. (laughs) But it's the same for your life as well. Without vision, you're going to crash and it is going to hurt. It's vision of where you want to go in spite of where you currently are that's going to get you to where you need to be. But don't just get any old vision. Get God's vision for your life. Get God's vision for your life. It's the best vision. It's the best plan. He's the one that knows you. He's the one that made you intricately and he knows all the hairs on your head. Get his vision because he's the one that knows what it is that you're meant to be doing and where you're meant to be going. Jeremiah Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is a declaration. This is a statement over your life. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We have to get vision when we're lost. It's the only way. I'm a bit of a video and photography nerd, for those of you that know me. And um, there's, this, there's this concept in film in particular, which is called shallow depth of field. And you will have seen this, but not really realized what was going on. What happens is, is the director, when they want to draw you towards something or down a certain path of thinking to follow the narrative of the story, they want you to get you to think and feel a certain thing, they will, they will put the main actor or whatever's in the foreground, an object, they will make sure that that is in tack, sharp focus. But in order to do that, they have to open the lens really, really wide and let a load of light in. And when they do that, what happens is everything that's outside of that area of, of focus is blurry. Everything outside is blurry. It's still going on. You can still see it, but it's just a little bit blared out. And the reason for that is is so that you can focus your attention on what the director wants you to know. And this is how it is with God. When you're lost, you have to put him in the foreground of your life. You have to make sure that he is tack sharp in the foreground of your life. Everything else might be blurry around you. Everything else might still be going on. I'm not saying you're not going to have trials. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not saying that anxiety and doubt might still not rage around you, but blare them out by putting God in the foreground, in the tack-sharp focus of the vision of your life. Blare out the noise. Blare out the nonsense. Keep God tack-sharp in the foreground of your life, and you'll begin to see the way forward, the next step in your journey. You need vision when you're lost. The second thing that you need when you're lost is you need to get active. You need to get vision and then you've got to get active with it. Sometimes when we're lost, it can almost be paralyzing, can't it? It can almost feel like we don't know which way to go, and so we just don't make any decision, and then we just hit pause, and we're stuck on pause, paralyzed, without ever making our next move. And the woman in this parable that Jesus is, is telling us about, she doesn't just switch on the light and then hope it'll all work out. She switches on the light and then she starts to sweep the floor. She starts to get active because there's power in the pattern of your everyday life. It's a balance. You've got to get vision and then get active. Some of us need to pray less and do more. And others of others, other, uh, uh, rewind, others, others of us need to do more and learn to speak and pray less. 
We gotta get active and learn how to speak into a microphone. We gotta get vision for our life. Vision and action go hand in hand. God is a God of structure and routine. First he formed the earth and then he filled it. That is how he works. You gotta get vision and then get action. Action without vision just passes the time, but I promise you, vision plus action will change your life forever. Most people sat in this room that have journeyed with us for a while, we are all products of this situation. Vision plus action will change your life. James 2 says this, faith without works is dead. <laughs> we've got to get vision and then we've got to get action. But this whole story is real interesting to me because you have to wrestle with this and ask yourself, is this parable, is this story really about losing and finding things? Is it really about repentance and rejoicing? Is it really about this woman losing this coin? And by now, if if, if you're anything like me, you'll be trying to figure out what this whole thing is about. And if you've caught on to the fact and the idea that Jesus is conveying that the woman in this situation is, is the God figure and the coin in this situation is the us figure, then you're absolutely spot on. But there's another layer. I love how the Bible is so intricate that there's always more because this woman lost her coin. But how could Jesus ever state a faulty characteristic of a God that could never lose us. You see, God can't lose you and coins can't really repent or sin. And so if that's the case, then is this story really about repentance and rejoicing? Is it really about losing and finding? I'm not disputing that there's an element of that, but I'm not really sure that that's all of it. When you start to look deeper, you start to realize that there's always more. When you put God in the tack-sharp, focused foreground of your life, you always start to realize that there's more. Because on the story, this, on the surface, this story is about those things. But underneath it all, this story is not about that at all. This story is simply about counting. It's maths, which was my worst subject in school, so... Take that, Mr. Dixon. <laughs> I hope he sees this. <laughs> That's the type of guy I am. This woman knew that she'd lost a coin because one day she'd sat down and she'd counted them all up. That's how she knew that one was missing. And the reason that Jesus is telling us today this story that he told them thousands of years ago is simply because he wants you to know this. Before the story started, before the adventure began, before the light was turned on and the floor was brushed, before you made that mistake, before you went down that path, before you got the grades or failed the test, before any of that stuff, before the start of time, before the story of your life ever even started, you were counted by God because you belong to God. In order for something to be lost, it first has to be known that it was there in the beginning. Otherwise, you would never notice that it was gone. And let me tell you, you might not know God, but He knows you. And He's noticed that you're lost. And He's been missing you. And in the same way that the woman counted her coins before the start of time, God got us all together and He counted us all up. And you were there. And so He's noticed that you've been missing. And so He's saying, come home it doesn't matter what you've done it doesn't matter where you've been just come home 
Jeremiah 1.5 tells us this. It says, I knew you before. Before. I knew you before. Before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And that is still true to this day. God knows you so much better than you know yourself before you were ever born, before all of this happened that's got you feeling lost, before you felt this way, before you made the mistakes, before you got misguided and went down the wrong paths, before you lost your identity to the machine of social media, before you lost your value and your self-worth at the hands of lust, before any of that stuff, you were counted by God because you count to God. He knows you. He formed you. You matter. You're loved. You're valuable. You're precious. And if you don't take anything else away from this entire message, this is the one thing I want you to know. You are known by God. He knows you and he's noticed that you're missing. You count to God because you were counted by God. You might not know him, but he knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. You might not know it or maybe you forgot. Maybe someone told you a long time ago. But maybe you never got told at all. But he loves you and he's been missing you and he cares for you and he knows you by name and he's calling you home back to where you belong. Life might have you in a place where you feel lost right now and that's okay. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross for you, you can never be hopelessly lost again. You might be lost right now, but you can never be lost and without hope because of what Jesus has done for every single one of us today on this earth through through shedding his own blood on the cross to bring us back into connection with our maker and our creator. You can be lost, but you'll never be hopelessly lost again if you, if you want it, because you count. And so there's still hope for you. And his name is Jesus. There's still hope. And hope has a name. You already have a place. You already have the key. So come home. His name is Jesus. And there is nothing that you could ever do that would separate you from his love and his grace and his mercy. There's no place that you could run and hide to outrun the things that you've done. But none of that matters anyway because you're covered by grace and love. And his name is Jesus. You were and you still are counted by God because you count to God and he's noticed that you're missing so come home why don't we stand to our feet and we're going to pray 